This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, you can't see where the ball goes. <laughs> you tee it off and it's gone into oblivion. Blackout in the B.C. interior. Wildfires turn day to night and force some families to make agonizing decisions. Crowded house. And I still pay a thousand for staying out here. A tenant tired of sharing space with up to 20 others. But is the landlord doing anything wrong? We probably need 13 or 14,000 workers today. Restaurants face a growing crisis. Why customers have had enough of bad service. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Some incredible images of the smoky blackout in BC. These images behind me, taken by Chuck and Susan Chin and Prince George, where day turned into night. And this time lapse of a drive from PG to Vanderhoof at 10 o'clock this morning looked more like midnight. It's the latest evidence of some extreme fire behavior in the northern interior. Thick, dark smoke blanketing communities from Fraser Lake to Prince George, and our Richard Zussman is in the thick of it. What an eerie morning there, Richard. Yeah, Chris, and for so many here at the evacuation center, the morning started in that darkness. It's ending with people being told there are no more hotel rooms in Prince George and they'll have to go to Williams Lake. And the one thing that's remained constant all day long has been this smoke. Apocalyptic, eerie, scary, all words used to describe Prince George at 9.30 this morning. Looks like late evening to me. Creepy. I looked at the windows, I thought, okay, it's four in the morning, I got a few hours of sleep, and then my alarm went off and it pointed out that it was actually 7.30. I thought, okay, what's going on here? Is my vision going bad? The smoke from wildfires burning around Prince George engulfed the city and blocked the sun. A reminder for Annie O'Brienic, who's in Prince George now, having evacuated from her home on the other side of Francois Lake. We're unsure what to do with all of our animals. These pictures are from when she fled with her seven children, her husband Joe staying back. And now authorities won't let a family friend, Mike Cauley, into the area to help protect their home. They need help. They need supplies. And uh, here we have an extra set of hands, Mike Cauley, and he's sitting there twiddling his thumbs. Other evacuees are the CN Centre in Prince George, waiting hours in this line for their food vouchers. Word of two homes being destroyed south of Burns Lake, spreading here. It's just scary knowing that you might not have a place to go home to. Burns Lake Band helping people in that community that need a bed. With these fires now raging on for over a week, there's frustration. Given the devastation that we're all suffering right now, it's really nice to see that our First Nations people are coming together to provide this support. First Nations communities have been deeply affected themselves. From the Notley Wood End to the Styloten to the Nitai Bun, all displaced. We need people. We need more help. But the fear is, if help comes, it won't come soon enough. 
Richard Zussman, Global News, Prince George. And there's been some help announced, at least from the province. The Red Cross has been asking for donations. Today, Chris, the province announcing they will match all of those donations up to $20 million to help provide support for these and so many other people who have been chased from their homes. That will be a big help. Thanks very much, Richard Zussman, reporting in Prince George. Some dramatic developments as well in southeastern B.C., where fire pushed by high winds has about uh, or several thousand people on evacuation alert in the city of Kimberley. Aaron MacArthur has that part of the story. Under the flat light of a smoke-filled sky, it's mostly business as usual in the Platzel. People given a shock when a fire that's been burning since the beginning of August prompted an evacuation order late Thursday night. It's been, I don't know, six weeks or whatever since we had any rain. So yes, it's concerning. You never know what the wind's going to do. We've already got our stuff packed all in our trailer with a truck attached to it, so we'll just leave. It's like kind of concerning, but at the same time, it's like I kind of have faith that like all the guys that are going to be working on the fire are going to be doing a good job. The fire is burning southwest of the city of Kimberley, about 10 kilometers away from St. Mary's Lake. A mandatory evacuation order is in place for several dozen homes in that area, and Kimberley itself is on evacuation alert. Some 7,500 people need to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. Well, evacuating 7,500 people isn't easy. Um, it's all about good communication, um, making sure they're prepared and ready to go when the time comes. The wind has been an issue, pushing the fire towards populated areas and ash into Kimberley proper. Parked cars coated in a thin film. And I think this is what caused people to get really concerned over the last couple of days is the amount of ash that's falling. Um, it's important to note that this ash is way in advance of the fire. It's at least 10 or 15 kilometers away from here. Well, if you got RVs and boats and those kinds of things, now's the time to move those. Hobby farm type people, I mean, now's the time to start thinking about animals and placement of animals and those kinds of things. The advice now is to have a bag packed and watch the sky. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And some late-breaking good news in the fire front. The evacuation alert for the Nanaimo Lakes fire has been lifted. Meantime, after a bit of a break from the haze around here, air quality is expected to get worse on the south coast starting next week. Meteorologist Christy Gordon is over in West Vancouver. with more on that right now. Christy. Ambleside in the background there. We'll check in a little bit later on for more on that as well. Uh, sorry about the audio problems there, folks. All right. Uh, California also struggling to cope with massive wildfires right now. They are burning out of control in that state. And today the U.S. president took a swipe at lumber imports from Canada, saying they are partially to blame for the intense forest fires in that state. Especially when Canada is charging us a lot of money to bring their timber down into our country. 
so ridiculous. Here we have it. We're not even talking about cutting down trees, which in certain areas we can do. Uh, we're talking about lying on the floor, creating a tremendous hazard and a tremendous fire hazard and death trap. Those comments defy logic and are clearly not going over well with the Canadian forestry industry and the forest minister. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now with more on that. Keith, the reaction was pretty quick. Yeah, and not surprising at all, Chris. So it's true that you know uh, uh, timber on the forest floor is fuel for forest fires, but then to make a giant leap and tie it to the softwood dispute with the United States took a lot of people by surprise. But why anybody should be astonished by what Donald Trump has to say on a daily basis is is uh, not surprising. Uh, but uh, Doug Donaldson, BC's forest minister, was on a conference call with uh, reporters ostensibly to talk about the wildfire situation. But of course, he was asked about Mr. Trump's comments, and needless to say, Doug Donaldson's less than impressed. These comments defy logic and, and that there's no basis to those comments that we heard from the President of the United States today. Uh, the fire situation in California is drastic, uh, but it has no linkages to imports of our lumber. Is there any scenario where that makes sense? Uh, not in my mind. Uh, we, uh, the U.S. is uh, one of our largest trading partners, but uh, the amount of wood being brought in uh, wouldn't make uh, a difference. So the wildfire situation aside, the impact of the tariffs the U.S. has been slapping on B.C. timber is starting to be felt south of the border. The average price uh, for the cost of building a home has increased by more than $9,000 since those tariffs first took effect, and that price is expected to grow over time. Back to you, Chris. Passed right on to the consumer as well. Thanks very much, Keith Baldry and Victoria. Well, the city of Vancouver is launching an investigation after the tenant of a short-term rental home in Marpole came forward to Global News saying it's being operated as a pricey flop house. As Jennifer Palmer reports, the tenant complains dozens of people are paying at least $1,000 a month to live in what's essentially a single-family home. There's a room here, a room there. One here and one there. That's just a few of the 13 bedrooms in this almost 4,000 square foot house. Christina Monaco has been living here since last year. She says she's fed up with the living arrangements. She said I would share a place with two or three people. And when I moved in, there was only two or three people. And then after a couple of days later, it became more and more and more. Christina says she and her boyfriend are among 21 people who live in the house on West 65th Avenue in Vancouver with rent averaging $1,000 a month per person. And now to my, my room. She stopped sleeping in her room, though, and moved into this tent in the backyard because she says the house is dirty, noisy, and that she's fed up with sharing common spaces with so many people. And I still pay 1000 for out here. We spoke to the property manager on the phone. She declined to go on camera, but she disputes that more than 20 people live in the home, saying only 14 to 15 are living there. She does say that the building is up to code and that she rents primarily to international students and those with working visas as short-term rental. When asked about a permit, she wasn't too clear about that, but did say that the home, along with three others, are scheduled for demolition in the next few months. The city of Vancouver says in an email that they're aware of this address and that they're currently undertaking enforcement action under the Zoning and Development Bylaw. Adding a property use inspector will visit the home to see if any additional bylaw violations need to be addressed. I stay in here every night. Christina says she'll try and put up with the situation because she, her boyfriend and cats have nowhere else to go. Jennifer Palma, Global News. 
Port Coquitlam RCMP say a number of people were arrested after an alleged home invasion. Officers received a 911 call inside a home in the 4000 block of Liverpool Street yesterday afternoon. Two people were found inside, one of them treated for a minor injury. Soon after, investigators tracked the suspects to a home in the 103 or 10300 block of Slatford Place in Maple Ridge and made several arrests. So far, no charges have been laid and the investigation continues. And heavily armed officers shut down part of Aspenwood Drive in Port Moody this morning. Port Moody police say they were concerned because a man was holed up inside a home armed with a weapon. After a standoff, officers entered the suite safely, taking the man into custody. They also recovered a firearm. The woman who pulled this shocking prank on her friend just found out the serious consequences coming up on the news hour. And she fell just a little short on a marathon swim no one had even attempted before, but today she crossed an even more important finish line. That's coming up a little later. Now, from businesses being forced to close to bad reviews, BC service industry is taking a major hit, all because of a labor shortage. Now, some are looking at drastic measures in order to fill the void. Here's John Waugh. Whether it's finding people to pick up shifts in Vancouver, or just trying to keep the doors open in Whistler, BC's service industry is starving for labor and the quality of business is starting to suffer. We've had to alter some of our hours. We've also altered our menu a bit to make it more efficient and make it more, um, yeah, just easier for the kitchen staff. And despite drastic changes to its other bars and restaurants, ownership had to shut La Brasserie down. It just became difficult to maintain um, the opening hours with the small amount of staff that we had. With summer tourism still booming, the inability of businesses to catch up is leading to some bad reviews. Our guests are our number one priority, and if we don't have the ability to serve them correctly, it becomes very concerning for us. Now, to give you an idea of just how big this issue really is, it's estimated that about 14,000 service workers are desperately needed across the province. A number that big means more than just thinking outside the box. Industry experts say it's time to think outside the country. We're going to go to El Salvador. Those workers would come to Canada and be so happy with what we have to offer here. So I think there's a big opportunity here for us to make a difference and do it now. The timing tied to the Trump administration, ending temporary protected status in the U.S. for nearly 200,000 Salvadorans. Costinson says they would work here for two years and be pre-cleared by their government. And workers would share accommodations to reduce the cost of living. You're going to find a lot more, a different mentality in terms of their value, their expectations. I mean, if they're paying, making $15 an hour here, they're making probably $15 a day in El Salvador. The plan still has to be approved by the federal government. But businesses say unless something is done soon, BC's reputation as a tourism destination will take a long-lasting hit. John Hua, Global News. Extra busy for westbound traffic on Highway 1 from Burnaby into Vancouver towards the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge after clearing a couple of earlier problems. So the problems are gone, but the volume remains. So if you do plan on taking Highway 1 this evening, uh, westbound traffic is still backed up to Willingdon all the way to the north end of the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge. With Kermac Collision Instant Access, just drop in even on Saturdays. No appointment, no delays. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, when you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Centre. 
Just days after a U.S. grand jury released a scathing report detailing decades of sexual abuse at the hands of Catholic priests in Pennsylvania, we are learning there is a Canadian connection. Some of those priests were sent here for treatment. And the documents show the abuse happened in this country as well. Eric Sorensen reports. The scathing Pennsylvania report has rocked the Catholic Church, the reverberations now reaching Canada. The grand jury investigation shows at least 11 priests named came to this country. One, Gabriel Patil, worked briefly at St. James Church in Oakville around 2003, years after alleged abuse in Pennsylvania. Seven men were sent for treatment at the South Down Institute, now located north of Toronto. One of them, Reverend Michael G. Barletta, was cited in the Pennsylvania report. Victim 2, a high school senior, and Victim 1 went on a retreat to Toronto, Canada with Barletta. In the hotel room, Barletta engaged the boys in nude massages and much more. Barletta denied any sexual encounter but admitted to vacationing in Toronto with Victim 1 and Victim 2. A spokesperson for Southdown had this response. Continue to pray for all victims uh, that are involved. Um, but anything other than that, uh, our information is confidential. The Pope expressed sympathy today through a spokesperson. Holy Father, as he's shown in Chile, wants to put the victims first, make sure that they know he is on their side. The Pope is not on my side. Sean Doherty was a 10-year-old Pennsylvania schoolboy when he says he was sexually abused by his family priest, one of many survivors bitterly angry over what happened, but more so over the inaction of the church. Yeah, rage, anger, disgust. It's just more of the same. Pope Francis has spent much of his five years as pontiff seeking reconciliation but has been criticized for being slow to punish senior members of the church who've been accused of abuse or hiding it under their watch. The Vatican today seemed to acknowledge that. There has to be accountability, not only for the abusers, but also for those who permitted the abuse. Some in the church believe the Pope finally understands his role in the crisis. I think that Pope Francis now is taking this very seriously. Any priest involved with abuse has to be removed from ministry and can never act as a priest again. But he was a little weak on disciplining bishops who didn't do a good job. Uh, that's changed. The Pennsylvania report is shocking in the sheer scale of abuse, and yet it is just one jurisdiction. Others, including dioceses in Canada, have yet to fully investigate and hold accountable both the abusers and those who knew about them. Eric Sorensen, Global News, Toronto. The debate over where Canada's first prime minister fits into our present-day view of history continues. A statue of Sir Johnny Macdonald has been vandalized in Montreal. The statue in the city's downtown core is now covered in red spray paint, a group calling itself Unnamed anti-colonial vandals is claiming responsibility. The group expressing their support for the removal of a McDonald's statue in our provincial capital in Victoria. The city of Victoria voted to remove the statue last week, claiming it's part of the reconciliation process. A public consultation will determine what to do with it next. Sir Johnny McDonald played a role in establishing Canada's residential schools. The Washington State teen who pushed a friend off an 18-meter bridge into the water below has now been charged with one count of reckless endangerment. Ready? 18-year-old Taylor Smith pushed tentative 16-year-old Jordan Holgerson 
off the Lewis River Bridge, 60 feet down below into the water. Holgerson belly flopped into the river, suffering significant injuries, including broken ribs, a punctured lung, and air bubbles in her chest. Smith admitted to pushing her friend off the bridge, but says she was trying to help her overcome her fear and wasn't trying to hurt her. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Quickly, returning to our top story now, the impact of the growing wildfires across B.C., most notably the heavy smoke covering a number of communities in the northern interior. Our Richard Zussman joins us again from Prince George, where people are still trying to go about their daily lives despite the extreme conditions. And Richard, it looks dark there again. Yeah, it is dark. And this, Chris, has been quite surreal. Right in the middle of the smoke, the uh, BC Northern Exhibition started today. So people are going on rides, playing the games, trying to enjoy themselves. And this is just 100 meters away from the registration for the evacuation center. It's just one way people are trying to go about their normal lives. Take a look at these pictures from earlier today. People had an early morning Friday tea time and then it went black. People still playing in the darkness at 9.30 in the morning. Because of that smoke cover, it got so dark here in Prince George, it just surreal that people stayed on the golf course. Well, you can't see where the ball goes. <laughs> you tee it off and it's gone into oblivion. So you can't, you can't tee off because you don't know where, where the ball is, you know? It's like you can see out there uh, 200 yards and that's about it, so uh, you'd be, uh, Losing a lot of golf balls in the middle of the fairway, maybe. <laughs> or, as us golfers, I uh, don't usually hit it in the middle of the fairway all the time either. <laughs> so that would be the problem, you know. And one thing that isn't normal for so many people here, Chris, they're seeing uh, firefighters, police officers, and now the military in their community. Many people were waiting to get that federal support. It finally arrived today in Merritt, where members of the Canadian Armed Forces are starting to be part of the crew here, trying to get things back to normal. An initial contingent of Canadian Armed Forces personnel is on the ground, so we've we've asked them for support in terms of aircraft, uh, not in terms of actual firefighting, but for moving personnel and equipment around. Uh, and then our plan is uh, we've asked for up to 200 on the ground soldiers to use as uh, as uh, sort of uh, as firefighters, but um, what we would call like a, a Type Three firefighter, for instance. So um, once we've got a fire contained, we'll bring in the military folks to do some of the mop up work. We've met so many people today, Chris, from the Fraser Lake area and the Fort St. James area. They are on evacuation alerts, but they have left their home communities concerned, fearful that it will be close to evacuation orders in some of those communities because the largest fire in the province, the Shovel Lake fire, continues to get bigger and bigger. In terms of what comes next, there's no rain in the forecast and the winds are expected to pick up. At some point today, Chris, there were gusts of 30 to 40 kilometers an hour and that's no good for fighting fires.
problematic for sure, and we'll get a check on the weather in just a moment. Right now, though, thanks very much for that, Richard. We'll segue into health matters tonight because air quality advisories have plagued the majority of the province all week, and there is no sign the smoke is going to let up. Ted Chernecki has more on the long-term effects of exposure and what you can do about it. First, those surgical masks you see people wearing do nothing when it comes to smoke pollution. Second, those particulates now in our atmosphere, once inhaled, can stay embedded in our lungs, sometimes for years. Only about 10% are susceptible to this. The, the problem is we don't know which uh, of those individuals exposed will be that 10%. Here's a lung cell exposed to smoke. Like soot, all those dark spots are particles that can stick around for decades and in some cases cause lung damage and other diseases. Asthma or COPD or heart disease or high blood pressure or stroke. When it gets this smoky, the best advice is to stay indoors, where the air generally will be much clearer. But if you must work outside in this environment, it's advisable to get some kind of respirator mask. You can just open it up and it has a nose piece. Not all respirators are the same. The better ones are rated to a national standard. 95 means the mask is good to filter 95% of the smoke particles. But when infrastructure starts to burn, well, that's a whole different story. This one is the, called the Defender. A good mask has different filters. The Defender is for the great unknown, covering all kinds of toxins. And it's important to get a mask that fits. It's working, right? Mm-hmm. I don't smell anything. Forest fire produces predictable amount of chemicals and particles. You know, buildings and, uh, and other things, that man-made structure, much more difficult to predict. Like that barge on the Fraser River that caught fire last week, sending a plume of black smoke into the atmosphere. If anything like this gets in the path of a wildfire, the air now becomes a cocktail of toxins. And while the atmosphere is a bit clearer, at least over the lower mainland, it's not going to last as outflow winds are forecast to bring all the smoke west again. Ted Schernecki, Global News. Wait till you hear where this guy was rushing off to when he darted in front of an oncoming airplane. That's coming up right after Christie's forecast from Rock Ambleside. We had some audio issues a little bit earlier, but this is a, this is a forecast that's really going to rock tonight, I think, Christie. That's right, Chris. You know, Lee Aaron is playing right now, and she's been rocking it uh, for the last half hour. Incredible uh, music down here. Ambleside Park, and it's for everyone to come down here. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. It's beautiful, though. We've had such a bad week in terms of smoke. We're very lucky here across the South Coast, and I'm finding it hard, and I know a lot of you are thinking about those of you in the interior. These are the images that came to me today. This one from Renee and Prince George. She said it looked like midnight at 9.40 a.m. this morning in Prince George, and it didn't clear until it just brightened a little bit later in the day. And this one from Kamloops, Gary says, this is the same view. This was before the fires, and this was today. You can barely even see down to the water. So incredible images, and you can see on the satellite image why that's happening, the jet stream funneling all the smoke from the fires west of Prince George, right over Prince George today, and through uh, Quinell, Williams Lake, and down towards Kamloops, whereas the south coast, bit of onshore flow, and that really helped things out. So we've got a low air quality risk level for the south coast right now, very high to high across the interior regions, but we expect that smoke to return. Here's a look at your tomorrow, your Saturday, everyone. Everywhere where you see the cloud there, that is smoke from BC Peace River right down through the south. 
Tomorrow, mainly sunny for the South Coast. Another really nice day. Late Sunday is when you can expect a bit of a change. Things start to warm up. A blocking pattern or mini heat wave is going to develop. And that's when we could start to see the smoke come in. So late Sunday, and I think you'll, you can expect it to be really smoky on Monday and Tuesday. Now, I want to tell you a little bit, we have a Rock 101 tent down here at Rock Ambleside, and it is rocking. It is a VIP tent, and uh, lots of uh, Rock 101 listeners enjoying that. I want to introduce you to Graham Lee. He is uh, the owner of the GSL Group, which produces this show. It's second year running. Um, Three-day event, just a huge, huge success. How many people are you expecting to be here this weekend? Uh, we'll get about 11,000 this weekend. So tomorrow night and Sunday night are sold out. Still tickets available for tonight. Wow, that's awesome. Now, why do you put on this event? Well, I, it's really about the community. This is a great community event. Uh, people can come and go whenever they want. You're not trapped in here. So we're on the most beautiful beach uh, in Vancouver. And you can get out there, you can walk the streets, uh, and you can come back in and listen to great music. Uh, so it's a great connector for people, too, and getting people together. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, you know, it, uh, the music is phenomenal. I'm going to read you some of the names that will be here. So tonight, Sweet and Lover Boy. Tomorrow, the headliners are Trooper and on Sunday, Nazareth. So some great music, that's for sure. And what a great way to get people outside and enjoying. It is so nice that it's not too hazy or smoky now, late in the weekend. Just in time for you to close down, that's when the smoke comes back in. All right, Chris, we'll throw it back to you. I'm going to go check out the Rock 101 10 later. And uh, lots of people can get tickets still for tonight. Sorry, I missed Metal Queen down there. Say hi to Graham for me. It was uh, 1984. It was a great album. Say hi to Lee Aaron if you run into her. Okay, how is this for a near miss? A van crossing the runway just before a jet takes off at an airport in Missouri. Turns out the van was being driven by an airport staff member, and he took the shortcut because he was late for a staff barbecue. A ground controller did clear him. And it wasn't until he was halfway across that he saw the plane barreling towards him. He reported the incident, and the NSB has launched an investigation. But, you know, you... a Vancouver Island swimmer may not have met her goal in the water, but she more than made up for it by surpassing her fundraising target. So my goal was $5,000, and we ended up raising over $16,000. Jill Yonita presented the check to Canuck Place today. She planned to swim from Nanaimo to Seashelt and back, but strong currents forced her off course to Lasquete's southeastern tip. Her goal, though, to help the charity was a driving force not to give up. So I was in quite a bit of pain by the end of the swim and a lot of blocks, just like I, I just can't go any further. But I thought about the children and families of Canuck Place and I just, I put my head down and I would cry a little bit in the water, but I would keep swimming. Yeah, Nobody had ever attempted it before. No, you know what? She might have made it, but on the first leg, so going from the Nimo to, uh, to Seashelt, the currents were so strong that there were times where she was literally just swimming to stay in the same spot. So by the time she yeah. got in the back leg, it was... It was a bit of a burnout, but what, a, what an effort. Tough to do. Okay, so the Whitecaps' biggest problem this year has been their inability to stop other teams from getting around two goals per game. Now, this is not an indictment of the Whitecaps' goalkeepers. It's more a black mark against the back line and the team defense as a whole. And there is a feeling 
that this problem can be traced back to the offseason when they traded defender Tim Parker to the New York Red Bulls. A trade that happened because the Caps would not pay Parker what he wanted in a new contract. And when I think about that, I think, didn't you learn your lesson with Camillo? That's why he went to Mexico, because you didn't give him what he wanted financially. And look how that never worked out in no Caps' favor. Uh, but that was, as I said, Parker, it was no time to start counting pennies in the offseason with the contract because losing him has cost him in other ways, like in the aforementioned goals against. He and the Red Bulls are in BC Place tomorrow against his old team, and as much as he loves playing in New York in front of family and friends, he didn't want to leave Vancouver. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's difficult to describe because I think um, ultimately... Um, I would have wanted to stay in Vancouver a very long time, you know, but uh, the things didn't work out that way. And then obviously when I had the opportunity to come back to New York, um, I was really excited. I was really excited to come back and play in front of my family and friends. So we told you last night the Lions haven't won a road game yet this season, 0-4, and they are in Toronto tomorrow. But they feel if their defense could hold off the Edmonton Eskimos, which it did last week, then the Argos, who aren't as good as Edmonton, should be stoppable as well. Hopefully, uh, you know, our defense saw that, you know, when they play with confidence, they can play with anybody. And I don't believe that there's an offensive uh, team that's any better than uh, Edmonton, especially with Mike Riley and with the weapons they have. And uh, our guys uh, did a great job of knocking balls down, putting pressure on the quarterback and stopping the run. So, you know, uh, the West is tough, uh, but when you go east on the road, it's always tough, too. Dio Gama, all the immigration stuff worked out, so he is with Wally at Williamsport. First game for them at the Little League World Series against Panama. Oops, oops, that's a bit of an error. All right. Here's the best part about this. Panama goes up 3-0. I want you to listen to Lucky Pawa, the, uh, one of Wally's coaches, and how he settles the team down. Listen. Have fun. Breathe, right? Breathe. Everybody breathe. Let's get her out. In case we get a fly ball. Three All right, so still 3 nothing. Now Gama. That scores a run. Dio comes through. 3-1 for Canada, but this hurts. Adnan Sanchez. That is all the way over the wall. 8-3 final. Panama beats Wally in the first game at the Little League World Series. Okay. Up at Hollyburn, men's number one, Voshik Pospisil this afternoon against Lloyd Harris. This was a tough match. Pospisil got all he could handle. Lost the first set in a tie break, but won the second set 7-6, and then won the third set 6-3. So he's on to the final four. And we have Jeannie Bouchard's match up there tonight as well. After she knocked out the number one seed yesterday. Ready? Well, Novak Djokovic against Milos Ronic. Ronic, of course, defeated Denis Shapovalov in Cincinnati at this event. They split the first two sets. Third set. Good job to regroup. It's all right for Ronic. Djokovic trying to go up 5-3. I'm guessing he feels he outsmarted Ronic here. Watch. Yeah, see? Mm. Novak not so dumb. And this will set up match point. So Djokovic now on the verge of putting Ronich away, and he will do it. Milos is coming to the net here. Ugh, that's got to be a winner. 
That would be much nicer if it was harder and somewhere else, yeah. but Djokovic wins it in three sets. Brad Snedeker had the 59 yesterday at round one of the Wyndham Championship. Today, shot a 67, so eight shots worse, but still leads at minus 14. That's a nice approach shot right there. Nick Taylor needs a high finish to try and get a card for next year. This will help. He's in the sand. Now he's on the green, and he'll soon be in the hole for a bird. Minus eight, and he is tied. For 10th. That's where he learned those skills. Two rounds to go. There you go. Good golf. All right. Thank you, Squire. Here's Welcome. Jay Durant now with a preview of Global News at 11. Thanks very much, Chris. We'll be closely monitoring the wildfire situation across the province, especially the evacuation alert in Kimberley, where senior centers have now been evacuated as a precaution. RCMP are setting up roadblocks to keep residents and tourists informed. Around 4,500 people have been warned to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. And Fortis, B.C. is reminding people that if they are evacuated to leave their gas on, we'll have much more on this and the rest of the day's news when you join us tonight at 11, Chris. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Jay. Squire helps wrap up the work week with satellite debris a little later. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with four, uh, with your five things to do this weekend. <laughs> we're, go we're going with five. That's right. Summer isn't complete without a good old rib fest. And this weekend, the Langley Rib Fest is being called the local party of the year. Think delicious southern-style barbecue, fresh corn on the cob with a side of live entertainment and a kid's zone. It's that time again. Summer night concerts at the Peony. As always, iconic bands will take to the stage, including the Village People in Chicago, Wilson Phillips, Air Supply, and Cindy Lauper. Bring the kids and get in touch with Mother Nature. The Surrey Nature Center hosts guided nature walks that change with the seasons. All ages are welcome. Drop in, rain or shine. Take a journey back in time with the Fraser Valley Heritage Train. The fully restored antique train departs from the Cloverdale Station and takes you on a 55-minute scenic and informative ride. Each week, White Rock hosts concerts at the pier, free live music against a scenic backdrop. This weekend, the Northern Pikes play at the East Beach. Show begins at 7 p.m. and bring your own lawn chair. For more, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Coming up on ET Canada, celebrity tributes for the late Aretha Franklin, plus previews from Crazy Rich Asians and Sharknado 6. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. Thank you very much, Sangeeta. It's a broken chair version of satellite debris tonight. Yeah, this I was trying to fix it in the Actually, you fixed it. it, it this chair's a little busted up. And it no makes way. a lot of noise. But Chris got down his hands and knees and broke out the Phillips screwdriver all in the commercial break. It was quite amazing. Okay, um, first of all, our first uh, commercial today, I think, is from France for toilet paper. Don't be grossed out. It's funny. Here we go. Let's check it out. Emma... Emma. Not anymore. Emma. Every day it's getting all Emma. Oh, I'm Emma. Emma. Emma.
In that application, it can never be replaced. No, and you don't want to be using the iPad for that, believe me. Uh, okay, so this is a bit of a long ad. It's from Ikea. It's almost like a, a music video, but I love it, and uh, that's what's important because I put the show together, so here we go. For those listening on CKNW Radio, it's a wonderful we're sorry song. you missed all that. Wonderful song. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, I know I have shown this ad before, um, mm -hmm. but I wanted to show this again. I actually saw it. I was going through some files, and I saw this, and I laughed out loud just the same <laughs> as I did the first time I saw it. This is from Walmart. It's time for Daddy to make some funny. <laughs> Yeah, we got all of this at Walmart. Really? The decorations, the tablecloths, all of the food. And we even saved enough money for the... The, um... For the clown outfit. Unbeatable prices, backed by our price match guarantee. Save money, live better. Walmart. <laughs> 
For people who are scared of clowns. There you go. Injured clowns can be funny. <laughs> All right, we'll check in one last time uh, before the weekend's here from Christy at Rock Amble's side. What's going on down there now, Christy? Thanks, Chris. Lee Aaron's certainly kicking it up a notch now. Actually, it's Sweet is on. Sorry, I just realized that they just switched. Sweet is on now. Loverboy will be on in a little bit. Now, for all of you across the Lower Mainland, we're so lucky. We're not expecting this smoke until later Sunday, but it is still tough times all the way through the interior, Chris, and we don't expect much of a change. All right. Thanks very much for that. Enjoy the concert and enjoy the weekend. Thanks for watching.